ended up being some old walking around. And uh, then we ended up getting to a place where people were saying, recalculating. Proceed to the root. I'm like, yeah, where's the root? You know, proceed to the root. I don't know, proceed to the root. I'm like, yeah, no kidding, dude. <laughs> and so we end up going down. We end up in Tipogi, um in the end, which is cool. We just followed our nose. Um, but you know, sometimes our expectations are kind of like our GPS, and we follow this expectation of how we think things are going to turn out, only to find we find ourselves on a bit of a gravel road. Find ourselves, hey, this wasn't what I thought it would sort of pan out. We fall in the six feet of arm we hit a dead end or we get a little bit lost. And um, you know, there are times where we actually have to recalculate our expectations a little right, bit right. and so that we can get onto the right route and end up in the right destination. And um, and so you know we can find ourselves in life feeling a little bit lost and feeling like a bit confused as to what's going on. Um, but you know, disappointment and disillusionment, they're real common factors in our lives and everyone struts. I think we can all relate. There's times in our lives where we're disappointed, yeah. uh, where things haven't worked out how we expect. And uh, but what about those times when God disappoints us? Or when there's been a promise from God and it hasn't worked out how we expected, or there's been a, a direction for one of us to go in and we go, yep, cool, I'm gonna head that way, and oh wait, I've got trouble. Um, what happens when we kind of feel like we're on gravel road when we thought we were following God? Right. And uh, you know, our, our response when things don't go our way, uh, people have different responses. Like we have responses of blaming God, of complaining, of getting grumpy, getting uh, we gossip, or we stop praying because we don't trust God anymore. You know, prayer doesn't work anyway, and uh, so we can have this negative reaction. Um, but I think the problem with those expectations, under expectations, they're not really on God, if you know what I'm saying. Like, because um, after all, isn't God the boss? You know, isn't He the one who's in charge? And aren't our lives surrendered to Him? Aren't our lives a living sacrifice? Aren't our lives just no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me? And so when we have an expectation that God doesn't meet, um, I don't think we can really blame God. It's not really particularly His fault. And surrender is a big part in keeping our peace with things don't really work out how we expect it. Yeah. Surrendered attitude and heart and trusting in God. So I think the problem with unmet expectations actually in, in reality lies with us. And it lies with, okay, maybe we actually got that expectation of a wrong. Right. Maybe maybe we impose something out of expectation onto God that is not what he intended at all. And so maybe we need to look inside and say, okay, actually, have I got the wrong expectations to begin with? And then start asking those internal questions. Because um, sometimes our expectations are misinformed, or we misinterpret what God has said. Um, we've got a preconceived idea of how God is going to do something. Or sometimes he wants to keep us surrendered and, and develop trust. And he won't always give us all the, the answers to begin with. Um, so sometimes we need to realign our expectations of what God really wants to do. For example, you know, God says, okay, you're entering into a new season of expansion, and we say, great, pay rise, or promotion, and we think, cool, this is how it's going to work out. Um, we think God's going to drop something into our laps, but in reality, it actually means, okay, a lot more hard work. So you can prepare this expansion, and it means uh, maybe he sends you an extra shift, so yeah, you can have that extra pay, you know, like... We, we sometimes get it wrong how we think God is going to do something. 
for many people, marriage is one of those unmet expectations. And, you know, you want to turn the honeymoons over. Um, I don't, I still have honeymoons. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'll keep it on a state today. <laughs> um, you know, the new job, sometimes, you know, the expectations kind of break when you meet that colleague across the cubicle and things aren't all they were cracked up to be. I know for our, us Aucklanders, our expectations on the blues has needed some severe recalculations. Um, and, you know, I think a great a key to greater faith and peace in life is, is having those right expectations with them. So actually keeping it open and say, God, you know, Let's trust you here. So, the foundation of right expectations is this, is that God is good. Yes. And we've been singing it completely by coincidence, I think, there, but um, God is good, and that is our foundation. We need to have the, the foundation based around who God is, not about how he's going to do something. Mm. So, if we have an expectation based on, okay, this is how you're going to do it, Nine times out of ten, you're going to get it wrong. You're not God, and you've got a plan, and you don't know it all. But if our expectation is on, okay, God is good, God is good all the time, He is working a good angle in the situation for me, then even if things are going bad, we know, okay, God, you're still going to bring us some good, and we can have a foundation and a trust that's established with that perspective. And you know, sometimes things do go wrong, but we've got to know that okay, there's a good angle God is going to work here even though we don't understand it. T.D. Jakes says, God's yes is good, and his no is good, because he is good. So whatever God does, he is good. And remember, he loves you with all of his love. He's got a good plan for you. And even if things don't look like they're working out right now, he's still working at a good angle. And the question is, is do we really believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? Do we really believe that? Right. Do we believe, okay, yeah, God, I'm following you, you're ordering my steps. And we've got to come back to that foundation that even if we've led down a gravel road, we follow the wrong expectation, um, God is directing our steps because we're following after him. And he's in complete control, we can trust him. Our prophet Stephen McCracken puts it this way, disillusionment, disillusionment is the anti-illusion, the breaking of illusion. So when we've got a uh, a wrong illusion of how things are going to work out, and then we end up disillusioned. God's just breaking that false expectation we had, so that we can reset. We can find actually, okay, God, what are you doing in the situation we're in? So don't be so um, worried if you're disillusioned in the situation. You're in a good place. You can reset God's clarity, and you can um, connect with Him again. Yeah. Uh, so let's turn to two Kings chapter five um, for a. Cool story about expectations and what we can do to make sure that we end up with the right expectations. 2 Kings chapter 5 is the story of a guy called Naaman, and uh, he would be, he's the commander in, in an army of the king of Aaron, uh, but he ended up with leprosy. And uh, so he heard that there was a prophet in Israel that could heal his disease, so he got a, he's got a problem, but then he's also got like, a solution, he's got a hope. But things don't exactly work out how we expected them to work out. So I think what I might do so that we don't um, chew up too much time, I'll just work through it. And uh, we'll pick up a few verses as we go. And what I'm going to do is um, I found seven tips, kind of lessons around. So there's a lot um, around our expectations and how we can learn from this guy, Naaman. Uh, so there's a lot. Just 
Bonnet is one of two that you know maybe God is speaking to you and think, okay, I need to recalibrate my expectation around this area or that area. So they don't all necessarily um, connect together, but um, that's why I call them tips, not particular steps that have a variety of expectations. So, um, let's read verse 1. The king of Aaron had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aaron great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So the first tip is to, as I've already spoken about, um, is say that problems in our lives don't necessarily mean that God isn't good. Right? Okay? So you've got a problem in your life, it doesn't mean that God isn't good. So Naaman leprosy, he's got this, you know, on the surface we could say he can help absolutely change it. And it's a terminal condition. Um, it kind of means they get cut off from community, and um, yeah, it's, it's a death sentence basically. And we can say, where is God in this? Well, God's hand is on this man's life. God has made him successful in his role. God is with him. But he doesn't know God. He's not walking with God. And in hindsight, we can say, oh, look, you know, this problem is what actually ended up bringing Naaman into a relationship with God. But so often our success in life can be a distraction. It can mean that until we have needs pressing to God, we kind of just think, oh, we're self-made, we're successful, um, we don't need God. Until you kind of run into a problem, and then you start, okay, oh, where are you? I need help, you know? And it kind of makes you more sensitive, more open to pursuing God, because you're in a situation that's out of your control. Um, so Naaman, successful man, but he didn't necessarily have a walk with God. And, uh, and we... No, that he never would have discovered the love and the power of God for himself if he didn't end up with this problem. So we can see in hindsight the goodness of God in allowing this problem to come across his path. He would have just continued his life successful, but absolutely lost in never having a relationship with God. And so we need the expectation that if a problem has come into our lives, it must be there to serve a higher purpose. It must be there. It must be there to serve a greater Good. And we need to break the expectation that life is always going to be easy. That's the false expectation. You will always have discouragement if you think my life needs to be better roses. Why is this problem God? What are you doing? That's just wrong. Jesus said in this life you will have trouble. Yeah. Plain and simple. There's no disillusionment about that. In this life we will have trouble. But he said take heart because I have overcome the world. So there's hope even despite our trouble as we walk with God. And that, that right there is a great recalculated expectation of life. Trouble will come, but we will overcome it. And by God's grace, good will come from it. Good will come from whatever problem because God is good. Amen? Amen. Cool. So have that. That's the first tip. Second tip for our expectations is to look with spiritual eyes, not natural eyes. So we'll read through the story a little bit more. Um, so at this time, so he's got leprosy. At this time, Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I'll send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out, took a whole lot of gifts, and uh, also took a letter to the king of Israel and said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman, I want you to heal him of leprosy. 
And uh, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, This man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Now uh, I can see he's just trying to start a fight with me. So um, this is the wrong expectation that Naaman and, and his king had. They had a potential solution to their problem, but they looked for a natural working of it. They went to the king. They looked to man to fix this problem. They didn't look to spiritualize. They didn't think, I'm going to go to God, I'm going to go to the prophet. They thought, okay, the king of a country is the, he's the one with ultimate power. He's got all the resources at hand. I think our solution in this country must be from the king. And so we can get caught up in the wrong um, expectation of looking to man to sort out our problems. We actually we need to have a look perspective, spiritual perspective, and look to God. And so often we do, we look for that natural answer. You know, how many times we get a promise from God and we go around looking for ways that we can make it happen. You know, we like try and help God a bit, you know. <laughs> you know? So we start in the spiritual, we get a promise and we're like praying into it. We're like, God, oh, cool, we're on this journey. And somehow we drift to being like in the natural and trying to build it ourselves. And along the way, we veered off and we expect that man is our solution. We get frustrated with people in life, you know because things aren't happening out, they're not helping us the way that we thought they would. It's just the wrong expectation, and we need to readjust uh, the reality is that God gives a promise, it's God who will open the door. Not your boss, not your wife, not this or that, um, not past the mat. You know, if God has got a calling on your life, God is the one who will provide. God is the one who will make a way for that promise to take place. And if we are looking to man, to be the solution to God's promise, we're going to get disappointed. Right. He will make a way even when there seems no way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's even just a great relief in the fact that we don't carry all that responsibility to make God's promises happen ourselves, because yeah. if they did, man, we're crushed under that pressure, you know. But when we know that God gives us a promise, He's the one who's working to bring it to pass, and it's our responsibility just to be, um, to walk with Him, to be with Him, right? <laughs> And to, to make sure we're learning the lessons he wants, wants us to be learning as we journey towards that promise. Uh, so it's actually a great relief. And um, yes, we need to work hard and be diligent. We can't be lazy. Um, and we need to work hard at what God's got in our hand now. But ultimately, the key to our success is God's part. So look for the spiritual perspective of these situations. Uh, the third tip, we'll continue reading. Uh, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had Torah's clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him, Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. The third tip is to have a hunger for God to act. Have an expectation for God to act in your situation. Um, I wonder how long Naaman had to wait at the door of the prophet's house. And I wonder... <laughs> How long are you willing to wait at God's door for the answer to your need, to your promise? You know, have you knocked on the door once, twice? Maybe you've gone home a little bit too early. You know, you're not camping at the prophet's door. You're not camping at God's door in terms of a, an attitude of expectation, for waiting for God to act. And now think about this. Naaman wouldn't have waited unless he expected a positive response. Unless you have a hope, unless you have, yep, God is going to do something good, you're not going to bother waiting. 
And so you're waiting expectations based upon the fact that, yeah, God is good and he wants to do you good in this situation. Um, got a cool little story. Um, I actually had the great opportunity to, to go to the UK with Pastor Tark a few weeks back. And uh, we were doing some uh, ministry engagements and a lot of planning preparation for the UK and beyond conference. So it was a great privilege to be able to go up there. But we, um, we had a really full schedule. Had about uh, 12, 12 days of ministry, and we had one day off, and that was a Saturday. And we were in London, and I thought, Libby, my wife is going to kill me if I don't be a tourist in London on my one day off. And so, okay, cool, I'm, I'm going to be a tourist. I got to get into town. Pastor Tug wanted to sleep in, and that's cool. Um, but I was just sitting there all by myself, and so I met out a few sites to see. So I went and saw Big Ben. Sure, this is Big Ben. This is me looking decidedly upset with Big Ben, uh, deciding to dress up in scaffolding. Um, so Big Ben wasn't looking so great. And then I took a little boat cruise down and saw a few more sites, um, joining the rest of the tourists of London. And um, that was cool. And then London Tower. Yeah, and then I decided, cool, I want to see the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. So I timed that. That was like 11 o'clock. So I bought the train back there and went to Buckingham Palace, turned up there, and there were thousands of people. True, this. We were like, I was like, oh my goodness. There's a changing of the guard, really, this special. And um, and there were TV crews everywhere, and I was like, okay, this is something special. And so um, you go to the next one. And um, so that was going cool. on. I asked the tourists, I was like, ah, oh, so, so what's going on? Is it usually like this? And they said, ah, oh, it's the um, tripping of the colors. Ceremony, it's like the Queen's birthday thing they do every year. And uh, they said, Oh, yeah, so the Queen's coming. I was like, Oh, okay, the Queen's in. Now, though, before this, before I left on my little tour, I said, Okay, God, it's one day. One day, all the way in London. I've never been to the UK. I probably will never go back. I don't know. Not planning to. And uh, one day in London, I think this needs to be memorable. You know, I want to see the right sights and I want to have a great experience. And this is once in a lifetime thing. And so I was there. Cool, it's got to be memorable. And sure enough, um, yeah, the Queen's sitting here. What can be more memorable than seeing the Queen at Buckingham Palace in London <coughs> on like the one day, the one exact timing that I happened to just stumble upon Buckingham Palace? So, Troy, go ahead and um, have your birthday, Mum. Is there a Sunday, Mum? So I was pretty close, which is cool. Pretty sure there's Prince Charles as well. So, um, that was pretty memorable. Like, but the point is this, is that I was just casually like, oh, you know, this would be cool if I got to see some sites and went and saw a few buildings and, and had a cool experience. But God was like, next level, next step, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to show you the queen, you can see some royalty and have a real great once in a lifetime experience. And so what really struck me is God's delight to do us good. And even if things are not just the important things in life, things like, I mean, God's got more important things than showing me the queen. You know, like there are yeah. a lot more problems yeah. in the world and need God's attention. But he, and there's a verse here, Troy, if you want to check that up, Jeremiah 32, 41, I will find joy doing good for them. God finds joy in doing you good. He wants to. 
It's what he does for fun, is yeah. doing good for his people. It's what brings him joy. And so we need to have this expectation and anticipation. God's not angry. God's not, you don't need to twist his arm and convince him to look after us. He wants to. And all of his love, he doesn't hold anything back. All of his love is towards you. And we need to wait and camp at his door and say, God, I'm expecting you're going to do good for me in this situation. And, um, and be patient, wait for it, because he wants to do that. Cool, tip number four is uh, have a unity of expectation. So we'll pick up our story. Um, so Naaman went and camped at the door of Elisha's house, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. He said, go and wash seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry, and he sobbed off, and he thought, I will not certainly come out to yeah, well, the prophet wouldn't even come out to meet me. He said, I expected him, there's an expectation, I expected him, just wave his hand over me and the leprosy will be gone. And um, and aren't the rivers in my homeland more beautiful than this dirty old Jordan River? Why shouldn't I wash in those and be healed? So Naaman sulked off in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do some complicated thing, wouldn't you have done it? So why shouldn't you obey him when he just says simply go and wash in the river? Yeah. And uh, so in the end, Naaman turned around, went to the Jordan River, and dipped, and he obeyed, and um, he was healed. Um, so the point is that we want to have a body of believers around us that can help us to keep our perspective right. And uh, the friends and the crew that you run with is so important for shaping your expectations and uh, shaping the person that you become. And uh, you want to make sure you're positioned with people that uh, bring you up in your faith and they don't bring you down in your faith. And uh, they can tell you maybe where you're getting it wrong with your expectations and they can say, hey, look, maybe this or that or the other. So friends and having a body of believers like this, having a life group, a small group that, that you can talk things with is so very important. But I think there's also a great lesson here about being connected into the life of Church. Um, yeah, we don't live our lives in isolation. God's plans for us all are entwined, and uh, they're also just linked, entwined with the plans God has for the local church that you belong to. As we fulfill our call, personal call, the church's call is fulfilled. And as the church fulfills its call and purpose, ours are fulfilled. They're one and the same. And uh, so we need to know if you know without a doubt, that you're in the body that you God intends you to be a part of, then your humility to the purpose and the vision of that church, this church, will ensure that the call in your own life is progressed. Your humility to the local church that God has called you to, that's just how it works. And honestly, if you want an action step for how to get the call to God in your life moving forward, the most basic one is to start contributing to the local church. Yeah. Just to be serving, to be getting behind the vision of the praying, and you will be surprised at how quickly, rapidly, and powerfully God opens doors for what you've got in your heart for your own life. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. And so the tip is this, you need to expect that your destiny lies in partnership with the Christians around you. You can't fulfill your destiny on your own. And your destiny lies in partnership with the destiny of your local church. We are not in isolation, and that's not how God sees us. And so, uh, you know, you can tell me of a team unlimited meeting, get a part of that. We might send you the link this week. 
hopefully um, to to the meeting, but the latest meeting, then watch it. It's for you. you know, it's not for the rest of the church. It's for our whole family. And as you find your part in that vision, then the call of God in your life is just going to propel. Uh, cool. We nearly there. Number five. Be humble and obey despite confusion. So Naaman expected one solution, and the prophet God gave him another solution, and said, go and wash down in that river. You know, uh, Naaman became angry because he was proud. He was proud. He felt like washing in this dirty Jordan River and the land of his enemies was beneath him. And he wasn't prepared to do something that was beneath him. And uh, obedience and humility, they go hand in hand, especially when we don't understand and when we're confused. And Naaman was proud. And if your expectations aren't being met, and if you're feeling discouraged or frustrated or disappointed, disappointed, just check your humility levels. Quite often God is stirring that thing up and wanting a greater degree of humility and obedience. And, um, you know, I visited uh, Angkor Wat Ruins in Cambodia years, years back, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, one of the ruins was this king's palace. And I've got a similar photo there. And the frames of the door, there's like a hallway like this. It leads into the throne room where the king was. And the doorpost progressively got lower. And so the idea was as people approached the king, by the time they enter the throne room, they're like fully bowing you know, as they approach the king. And it's that progressive, like, okay, we're getting more humble um, going on here. And I think that's a picture of how we work in terms of our progress towards God and our relationship with him and our advance of the call of God on our lives, right? We progressively get humble. The Bible says, you know, the greatest in this kingdom are the servants. Yeah, right. And so humility is an incredible key to keeping our peace when our expectations are not going right. We need to humble ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and say, God, whatever you're doing in my life, I trust you, and I'm not going to resist it, and I'm humble before you, humble before your leadership, your friends, your peers, um, the humble road is always the right way. So maybe ask yourself, is there something I need to obey? Is there something I need to be humble with? If you're feeling stuck and frustrated on a gravel road at a dead end, your GPS needs to be calculating, um, could it be a humility thing? Number six, uh, let faith influence your actions. So verse 14, Naaman went down to the river and dipped himself seven times. Do you think by the fifth time, he was doubting. You think by time number five, he's like, this isn't going to work. You know, what a, what a load of rubbish. Yeah, but he kept going. He would follow through, he would write to the end, he persevered. And God's promises often take longer than expected. They just do. So if God's promise for you hasn't come and you like, this is not what I expected, why isn't it happening yet? Um, You've got to expect that God's promises on your life are just going to take longer. And we need to let our actions and our speech prove that we still have faith. You know, right. Don't speak unbelief. Don't speak, oh, you know, God's given up on me. Um, you want to be speaking, yeah, that promise is it's going to come through. God is working. God is still doing stuff. He's working for me. I can't see it. So let your actions line up with your faith. Uh, Habakkuk 2, 3, 2 verse 3 says... If it's slow in coming, wait patiently 
for it will surely take place, it won't be delayed. So I always used to be confused by this uh, verse. So it's slow and coming, but it won't be delayed. Like, isn't that opposite to what's going on? What I kind of interpret from this is that um, when the time is right, it will happen. When the time is right, even though it feels like it's slow and coming, it's because it's not ready. You're not ready, the thing's not ready, and God's still doing stuff that's important, right. but it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. When the time is right, God is going to do the thing. So be patient, persevere, and keep your faith. Um, there is a purpose for the waiting. The purpose for the waiting. What the task for us is to find out from God what do I need to be learning while I'm waiting for the promise? What are you growing in me that I need to be developing, covering with you as I wait for the promise? Right. Uh, because if we're the hang up, we've got to be saying, God, where do I need to adjust? Because we so want the thing, the promise, but we're not willing to do the work beforehand, get ready, right. get prepared, let our hearts be right, learn the lessons, you know, to you change a prayer from God, you're going to need the promise to God, what's the next step? What do I need to learn now to keep me moving forward? So if it hasn't happened for you yet, there's still a purpose in the way you don't give up. Um, just readjust your expectation. Now finally we see from the story, uh, verse 15. Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him. So this is after he's been healed. Um, and, they, and he said to the prophet, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And he wants to give him a gift. And uh, then in verse 17 he says, From now on I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. So what we see here is a heathen man that God's got his eye on. And this problem has caused him to seek a solution in God. And he's discovered God. And he's had an encounter with God. And now the difference is he knows that there's no other God but the Lord. He knows God for himself. And he's been, he's begun that relationship with God that he didn't have before. And so what we can see is that from problems, from unmet expectations, from the process of having to seek God, we can have a deeper faith and a deeper intimacy with God. It's almost like that's the treasure. That's the reward. That's the ultimate goal from the journey. And so realigning our priorities, realigning our perspectives, it then becomes a, a lesson that we learn, a valuable jewel that the, the way we know God works, our faith in God, is something that we can take into future battles. And you think about it like this way, it's like when you're in the middle of a journey, it's like an unclosed circle. But once God comes through for you, you know, it's complete. And you can go, okay, in a few years' time, when you've got a similar situation, you're, you're in a delay again. You can look back, oh, that last time, after five years, in the middle of five years, I thought he's never going to do it. After five years, yep, he came through. I know that being patient, waiting on God, he comes through for me. So now I'm in the situation where maybe I've got to wait 20 years. You've got better faith because you're like, yeah, God's going to come through for me over time. I can adjust them. I've got a track record. Right. And so what you can do is you can come through these journeys and you've got a deeper faith in God, your deeper relationship. And that's ultimately the goal and the treasure that God wants to download to you. Um, more than the promise itself, I think the promise is great. We love the little thing that God wants to do or give to us. But at the end of the day, God is most concerned about you. 
and your relationship with him, yeah. and your character. Yeah. And so, we are like, great, God, you answer my prayers. God's like, great, I grew my man, woman of God over a journey. I disciple their better, their better, got a deeper faith in them. And so that, I think, is, is the ultimate reward, the treasures that we get from the seasons. Um, but then if you want to just pop back up, um, why don't you just stand with me? We're going to maybe just do a bit of time, a bit of business with God, just in this last 10 minutes. And um, why don't you just stand and close your eyes. <coughs> there may be something that has come to mind as I've talked about unmet expectations or wrong expectations. There might be a situation that you're in or a situation that you're thinking of now that you need to realign, or you need greater faith, or you need to lean into the love of God for it and His support for it. And um, even though things haven't really worked out how you expected, I just want us to come back to that thought of the goodness of God and the love of God as our foundation. You know, the promise that He has on your life, it still stands. The destination that we set out for in the beginning, even though we might have hit some gravel road, the destination's still there. And we just need to recalibrate, recalculate, proceed to the root, get back on the journey that God wants us on. And that's just a matter of coming back to God and saying, okay, God, I'm confused, I'm lost, um, but I know you love me, and I know you're good, and I know there's a next step here somewhere for me. And so what are you looking to God for today? What hopes do you have for Him to provide? What promises has He given you that you're still waiting for? What are those things that you gave up on years ago, but you know in, in your heart that God still wants to follow through with those things? So we're just going to sing for a little bit, but I really take this opportunity to process with God that situation you're in at the moment. You're a good 